Good morning. My name is Pastor Lisa. I want to welcome you to worship this morning. Pastor Rafe is taking a much-deserved day off. And I wanted to just comment on what a beautiful day it is here in South Florida. A great day to get out of the house and do something productive. Maybe God's got something calling on your heart to get done today. Today's the day to do it. This is why we put up with the rest of the year down here, right? Just for days like today. So welcome, and if you'll please stand and join us for the call to worship. All you who would be friends, all you who would be neighbors. The care and concern of Jesus for others. Let us join now through love and devotion and in word and song. Amen. If you'll remain standing for our opening hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. remain standing for the invocation prayer. We'll say it together. 
You have brought us, O oh God, to another Lord's Day, when we are privileged to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we have unity of mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As your love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I am Pastor Peyton, and so far today, I have now remembered when it's time for me to come up, so that's a plus. During this time in our worship, we talk about the ways that we engage and we um, live out our faith, and we call that here PEGS. We pray, we engage, we give, and we serve. And there are so many ways that we can do that, and one of those ways that I would like to share with you today is at our Western campus, at our Everglades campus. We have been growing a ministry there um, on Fridays where we feed families. We have 25 to 30 families who come each Friday between 4 and 6 to pick up food and to have prayer, and sometimes we have a little time of fellowship. This past week, we had a hot dog supper, and so families were able to come and pick up supper. And then we have been making Valentines for another um, nonprofit that we work with called Heart to Heart. And so we have students there from the community, and sometimes students from our families hop out and they make Valentines. But we are looking for those with a heart to serve in this community. And it could be whatever God is putting on your heart. Um, I tend to feed people and hang out with children, and um, Glory comes and helps us in this ministry, and she prays with families, and you may not know it, but Glory is discovering that she can be bilingual. Um, so we can also use those who are bilingual in this ministry, but if you have a heart to serve in this campus, um, we are looking to grow this community and what it looks like to be in worship in new and different ways and currently we're doing that on Fridays from about 2.30 until 6. Um, so give me a call, let me know, send an email, call the church office if this is on your heart. So I would appreciate it. We are looking to see what God has in store for our West Campus. Amen.
That was beautiful. Let's come to a time to um, quiet our hearts and our the activity in our brains for a moment, and let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, as we come, help us to take a breath. Help us to silence the things in our mind that may have us drifting away and help us to rest in your presence this morning. Father, in this morning we pray that you will inspire and lead this service and our hearts and our minds that we may serve you in each and every moment of our time together. Guide us as we seek to follow your Holy Spirit and plan our future, our ministry, how we can serve you and, and Help us to live out our faith in ways that all that we do and say may draw people to come to know and love and to serve you and their lives also. Father God, we pray for our world, for the problems that we see each and every day when we turn on the news or we read an update or we hear a press conference or we see something that our children come home with, 
We pray for all of those who live under the threat of war, hatred and poverty. And we pray in a moment of silence for all those alarms that tend to remind us that there is a world out there. In our quietness and in our prayer time, things are still happening in our world that break our hearts. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those who work honestly and openly for the betterment of others on a daily basis. Lord, we lift up our schools and our children and our teachers and our staff. And Lord, today we lift up our learning center here at New Horizon. Lord, COVID has changed the world we live in. And as we pray and think about what is to come, we pray that you would open our eyes to what a new normal could look like new and different ways for us to gather in community, for us to learn as students, for us to reach others as teachers. We understand that days are long and times are tough. And our ultimate goal has to be to love our neighbor, to keep them safe, and to protect our children. Lord, we pray for all those we know who are working in schools and all the children that go to school and all of the parents who place their faith in those who love their children each and every day. Father, we ask you for prayers for our nurses and our doctors and our hospitals and all of those in health care, the frontline workers who greet us as we are sick, whether it's with COVID or other illnesses. And Lord, we also lift up the families and friends and those we know who are suffering, who are sick, who are struggling. We pray that the care and dignity of those who are serving in ministry and healthcare and those who are receiving that love and care may both be strengthened, may both be held in your grasp May both be filled with your spirit and your comfort when they are weary. Lord, we ask for your presence for all who are suffering or in pain. We ask for your comfort and reinsurance and the warmth of your love and your healing. Lord, we ask for your wisdom and guidance and presence for all those who are making decisions daily for the betterment of the health of others. Faithful God, as we go in the world and we leave this place, we pray that each of our lives may reflect your love first to our families, within our church, within our community, within our days so that each and every action, each and every moment, we remember that we are a testament to our faith, that we are a representation of Jesus in our world, and we want to live lives that represent loving and care to each that we meet. 
Father, we pray that you would hear each and every one of these prayers and you would hear us as we pray together the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to Tim mischief, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So please stand. seated. Our scripture this morning is a very familiar story, um, so I pray that we can hear it in a new and fresh way. It is John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus's mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus's mother said to him, they don't have any wine. Jesus replied, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter, and they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom. 
He said to the groom, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. If you'll pray with me. Father God, we ask that you enlighten us this morning, that you help us to hear a new word in this very familiar story. We ask that you allow us to cherish that word and grow into the transformation you're making in each of our lives. Amen. So for those of you who know me, it is not going to come as a surprise that I'm going to start this off with a really bad joke. So a minister is driving to New York to see a show, and he stopped in Connecticut for speeding. The state trooper smells alcohol on his breath, and then he sees an empty wine bottle on the floor. And he says, sir, have you been drinking? And the minister says, just water. The trooper says, then why do I smell wine? And the minister looks down at the bottle and says, good Lord, he's done it again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, a, it's an eight-year-old boy brain in here. <laughs> so we worship a God who's in the transformation business, right? Big or small, it doesn't matter. There's transformation involved. And one of the things that makes this passage so relevant for us is the witness of Jesus' power to change even those smallest things, that simplest thing, that little part of us, into something amazing and generous and truly awesome. So John tells us this story. It's deceptively simple. Um, it's placed in an ordinary setting in an unremarkable place, Cana of Galilee. In fact, um, it involves food, which stories of the Gospels often involve food, right? The feeding of the multitudes, the disciples' last meal. There's something really special in gathering at the table or around a meal. Something special about filling those basic physical needs together and that camaraderie, right? And we Methodists can definitely understand that. You know, if, if you feed them, they will come. It seems to be our motto. This is the first miracle or sign that's, that's recorded in John's gospel. And so you might wonder why. You know, why did John think this was important enough um, to record for future disciples and to choose this first to record? Does it even matter to us? Most of us have been to a wedding or two or 12. And most of us have stories we can share about those weddings. Um, I have two that stood out for me as I considered today's text. One I attended, I was all of 20 years old, and you know how when you're that age, you're kind of all getting married at the same time and having kids at the same time and starting? I was the first, so I was the, the mature one. <laughs> Who knew, right? Um, so I got asked to be the matron of honor, which, yes, I'm still insulted by. Um, it sounds a little silly for someone who's only 20 years old to be the matron of honor. And my friend, whose wedding it was, was um, very frugal. She, she was the kind of person um, you know that you love, but they're never going to pick up the check when you go out to dinner with them. That kind of person. She even went so far as to send us a pattern number, not the pattern itself, a pattern number and a little swatch of the fabric, 
so that the bridesmaids could sew their own bridesmaids' dresses. Very frugal. The wedding was in a hall and the reception was in the basement and she hired the Legion post folks to create this spread of snacks for after. And it was um, unique. <laughs> we all needed to have a meal after we were done, let's just say that. So it was that red punch, you know, the red punch you're afraid to drink because your lips and tongue will be red for three days afterwards. And those fake Oreo cookies. Um, my, my niece, Megan, when she was seven or eight, had a speech impediment, and we had given her these fake cookies one time, and she said, these cookies taste like wax. And this is those kind of cookies. And then like the jello molds, and not the fun like fruit and strawberries and whipped cream and pretzels kind, the kind that's green with shredded cabbage and fruit cocktail in it. Canned Vienna sausages. Uh-huh, yeah, I heard, ew. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's how I feel about them too. It didn't really feel like a wedding celebration. She really just kind of met what she considered her obligation, and, and that just barely. Her attitude seemed to be, just let me get this part over with, right? And then the opposite extreme. We, we, had, we were friends of a friend and got invited to their wedding. And they were so excited to have this wedding that they literally sent out um, a flat, it looked like a candy box, with silk flowers on the top. And that was the invitation. It got hand-delivered to everybody who attended the wedding. Formal wear was requested. My husband was not a Thai guy, so he, he did this the whole night. He was not happy. But everybody looked so beautiful. How often do we get dressed up anymore? And we got there and were greeted by these waitresses in the big bell gowns with the hats, all southern bells. And they gave us daiquiris and mint juleps. Um, the dinner was crazy. Lobster and filet mignon and oh my goodness, you name it. Um, the dessert tables, I'm a fan of chocolate, so when I tell you dessert tables across the whole back of the room with all these treats and fancy goodies and little chocolate cups to put cordials in and cigars for the men after dinner with their brandy and a full orchestra for the ceremony. Um, when we left to top it off, they gave us each a half a dozen bagels and cream cheese with the Sunday paper for the next morning. That's extravagance, right? That is generosity. That's crazy. They were so excited to just share this special event. And I want to tell you, I hope you didn't hear that this is about the budget, because this is not about a budget. This is about a heart, right? We can celebrate beautifully regardless of the budget. It's about attitude. The attitude of almost stinginess versus the attitude of this extravagance and generosity. Weddings today can be quite the event. They cost a small fortune. I read something, and this was from a couple of years ago, so I'm sure it's more than that now, that the average wedding is $30,000. Wow, right? It's a small fortune. But picture this wedding in Cana. So the celebration for a normal wedding is a day or two, like you might have something the night before, a rehearsal dinner, right, and then the wedding. This was seven days. Seven. Can you imagine guests in your house, your family is in your house for seven days, and you're feeding them and providing all the beverages? Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> you might not have any family left by the time that kind of wedding's over, right? So the mother of Jesus is at this wedding, 
And you notice that John doesn't actually name her as Mary. It's one of those little quirks of John. He never calls himself John either. He calls himself the beloved disciple or the one that Jesus loved. Um, so he's not doing it out of a sense of disdain. We see later that they have a good relationship when Jesus is on the cross and says, you yeah, know, this is my mother, this is your son. That's just how he phrases things. So Jesus and the disciples are also invited. So were they invited at the last minute because Mary was there and so invited her son and his buddies? Is that why the supplies ran low? I mean, 12 extra guys drinking wine? Were they supposed to BYOB and they didn't? You know, we don't, we don't know. For whatever reason, Mary makes note of the wine shortage. And she calls it to Jesus' attention. We would not have this miracle if it weren't for that nice little Jewish mother interfering. Right? We don't know why. Maybe it was the wedding of a relative. Maybe Mary just thought marriages are worth celebrating. Um, we can almost hear her saying, don't worry about it. I'll talk to my son. He can do anything. He'll take care of it. Right? She probably realizes the embarrassment that running out of wine will cause. The festivities will be prematurely halted. The host mortified. To run out of wine before it's time, and this is day three of seven, mind you, was an unforgettable hospitality indiscretion. It's going to cause some humiliation. And the, for the host, it's a problem that has to be fixed and fast. So picture this stressed out host running around, yelling at all the servants, trying to find where they put that last bottle of wine, and the servants fear, because guess who's getting blamed? Not the host, right? The servants. This couple's parents would have scrimped and saved and gone through so much to have enough so that family and friends could really enjoy this. And the family and friends are going to be really harsh if it doesn't go right. It could have been this total social disaster. Wine also was a deep practical, as it is for us, right? It's a practical thing. But it's a spiritual thing for the Jewish people. These partygoers saw that as a sign of the joy and the blessings that flow from God's right hand um, into the hearts. So like, look at Psalm 104 and Proverbs 3. Without wine, which is the centerpiece of this feast, the celebration comes to a grinding halt, and its absence will leave a better taste in the, in the hearts and minds of the guests. So in response to Mary's, they don't have any wine statement, Jesus calls her woman. Again, not as a sign of disdain. Like we read that and go, Woman, really? That's not what he's saying. It's just as he calls her. It's a sign of distance. So he's kind of making it clear, as so much becomes clear in this little piece of this little sign and miracle for us later, that the claims on him don't come from earthly people, not even someone as important as his mother. The claims on him come from God the Father. Remember that story when he's 12 where he gets lost and they find him and he says, you know, where else would I be but with my father? Jesus knows who his responsibility goes to. So he basically tells her, what does this have to do with me? Like, mom, really? What? But Mary persists. She turns to address the servants. You see, she has complete faith that he can do something. But she leaves open the option for him to say no. 
How often do we do that? We see her faith and her humility. How often do we pray and leave room for the answer that we don't want to hear? Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells them to do. So words for us today, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary knows the power of her son. And for us, doing whatever Jesus commands is the essence of discipleship. That's what we're supposed to be about, right? She is, for us, a very model of somebody who lives that out. We see her faith and her, her humility. In response to her request, Jesus orders the servants to fill the stone jars. And they don't just get filled part way. They get filled to the brim. I remember it when I first read this. I was picturing, you know, pretty little jars of water at the table, almost like when they hand you at a wedding the fancy little wrap towelettes for you to wash your hands, right? I don't know why I was picturing that. I was not picturing. I have pictures for you. I was not picturing these huge stone jars. This is actually taken at the church in Cana of Galilee. Um, and there's a few pictures you're welcome to see. It's just a beautiful little church. Um, but I didn't picture big stone jars. I pictured little, right? Even though it says it, to see something in person gives you a whole different view. So the jars held 20 to 30 gallons each. That's a lot of water being turned into wine, right? Over 100 gallons. Jesus doesn't just stop and kind of top off everybody's wine glass or grab a couple of bottles at the 7-Eleven. He reacts in this full, extravagant outpouring revealing his gracious generosity. And notice, too, that Jesus has a really low profile here. Nothing too flashy. The servants, of course, notice. Mary knows what's going on. The disciples believe, and so perhaps they might know what's going on. The steward, maybe. But otherwise, the sign goes kind of by the wayside. How often does this happen to us in our own lives? Where God's grace that never leaves us, his love is constant, it's in our lives all the time, and yet we fail to see it. We might notice the hand that gives us the wine glass, but we don't realize who filled it or where it came from or whose grace it represents. So why do you think John wanted us to hear this story? What does it matter to you? What does it mean to all of us? It means if Jesus can change water into wine, he can change us too. This is a miracle of transformation. There is hope. No matter how far away he feels, no matter what I've done or not done, I can be transformed. My heart can be changed. To me, it's also a reminder of how I want to follow Jesus. You see, I have a choice. I can be stingy and ungracious. I can give just because I feel like I'm supposed to. I can write the smallest check I can think I can get away with. I can give just to impress somebody or to make myself feel better. I can give the least amount of time that still feels the need. I can give with a hardened heart, strictly out of obligation. Here, let me just top off your glass. We all know people like this. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, it's me. I've been that person. Or I can recognize God's love surrounding me, and I can hear the call of Jesus to serve my whole heart. 
I can use his example of this overflowing generosity in my responses to the areas that I'm called to give. I'm not called to give everywhere. I'm not called to give the same way you were all called to give, right? We all have our own call. Mine doesn't look like yours. Yours doesn't look like mine. We're not called to do everything, but we're called to do something. What challenges do we face in this still fairly new year? How can we share this simple but profound truth with people around us? Will we be seen as someone who generously cares for creation? Will we see that each of us requires that heart of generosity and love, even though the call is different? It's the same heart. Jesus has come. Those rituals, those obligations, those big stone things of water, they've been replaced by hearts changed. And I want my life to be evidence that I'm not just following some law. I'm not checking off some box. But that my life is a reflection of the one who gave so much for me. I want to be transformed. I want my generosity to overflow. I want people to follow Jesus because they see what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Father God, we thank you for this word. It's worked its way into our mind. It's gone through our ears. It's even come out of my mouth, Lord. But help it to find its way to our hearts, to help us be the transformed people, the people that love you enough to love others. Amen. If you'll stand for our closing hymn, please.
the seeds of the gospel truth have been planted in each of us. Go now to share your faith in Jesus and your love for each other in overflowing generosity so that the gospel might grow in you and bear fruit throughout the world. May you be filled with the wisdom of God, the power of Christ, and the patience of the Spirit, now and forever. Amen.